we're going we're gonna to dive into faith. And it's not going to really be my usual study on faith, the basics of faith. I really want to deal with what I see as some issues in the body of Christ when it comes to faith and kind of hit those. And it may seem like I'm shooting a shotgun up here and there's just things flying everywhere. As the weeks go, we'll, we'll get it all put together. But just what he gave me as I prayed this morning that this is not going to be the generic study of what faith is. It's going to be more personal. And though we'll probably go to Hebrews 11 one week and study the definition of faith, and we'll probably go to Romans 10, 17, and some of the usual scriptures on, you know, how we get faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. I believe he wants us to understand tonight that um, if we don't take his word personal, we are never going to walk in faith. And it's not a method. Faith is not a method to get something. It is so much more. And I love what John taught Sunday morning about, you know, it it being an experience. And it's okay to feel things. And it's okay to not feel things and stay in faith. But, man, it's good when we feel things. And I love that balance that you brought us to Sunday morning. If you missed that, you might want to go online and and watch it, but faith comes by hearing his word, but we only live from that faith if those words that we've heard develop a trust, a relationship with him, because you can tell me something all day long, but if I don't trust you, I'm not going to step out on what you said. And so we, we say we want to grow our faith. I get it. I just want to take us to a little deeper level and say, you can listen to the word all day long, but until it becomes his word to you and you trust him. I mean, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there's a lot of people with trust issues, rightfully so, especially if a father was involved in the distrust because we we tend to, to label God and see God We say Father God. We put that word Father on there. A lot of times we judge him by our earthly father. Which in my case, great. It made believing a lot easier for me. But but for some people, we're going to have to relearn that word Father and what that means. So I really want to go, I just want to emphasize that faith comes by hearing, but trust comes by relationship. And so as we're growing in faith, we're, we're growing in trust. And the only way we're going to grow in trust is experiencing him. And so I love, I love what John taught because I don't even have to go to a lot of that because John taught it Sunday. But ex- when we have an experience with somebody, that's how we learn to trust them or distrust them. And for a lot of people, I thank God for the the move of God that I grew up in that taught us that God is good and that the bad things that happened to us were not from God, that it was the good and perfect gifts that came from above, that it was the thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy and not God trying to teach me something or put me through something to punish me, that my punishment was put on Jesus. And see, that... 
helps me trust God. But if you were taught that if you messed up, a lightning bolt might come through the ceiling and strike you dead because God was angry with you, then you're going to have a trust issue with God, and you should. Because anytime you mess up, you feel like you're going to get hit with something. And then if you were to get sick or something bad was to happen, your dog was to die, then you think, oh, was that God? So we've got to get to know God, his character, his MO, his mode of operation, if you will, know what he will and won't do in order to trust him because we'll never step out on our faith. The word may build faith in us that God can do something, but trust says he'll do it for me. Better yet, he did it for me. He provided everything that we needed. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is yes in Christ Jesus. He provided it. Jesus is not going back to the cross. He's not going back to provide more redemption. It's provided for. Now it's up to me to be able to believe for it. And none of that's in my notes. So it may take me a minute to find myself. Uh, While I'm finding myself... I know I've told y'all about this book before, but we always have new people. This is by Philip Steele, and uh, you have to get it through them, I believe. Um, I'm trying to think. Faith, uh, Faith Builders. Faith Builders, Philip Steele. And it's called Every Day is a Faith Day, A Practical Guide to Steadfast Faith. This is the most simple book I have ever found on the subject of faith that covers All the major things I think we need to know in order to walk out our faith. Excellent. Excellent. It's Michelle Steele's husband. Some of you know Michelle Steele from TV. It's her husband, Philip. Great, great book. And I would give you this one, but it is my my version. I think I've given those out before, but we'll try to get some in. If Michelle's coming through town, she usually is willing to bring me some. Faith comes by hearing. Trust comes by relationship. Believing that he did do it for you personally. Because I don't think anybody has a problem knowing God can do something. Where we shy away is when we say God did it for you. God did it for you. You can believe for this. You can receive you. You, capital letters, Y-O-U, you can receive this. It's already provided. You can receive this and activate your faith. Faith is not a method. It's what we live in. We live live in a kingdom of faith. In fact, I, I, I titled it Faith to Live In. It's not faith to use. Because we tend to use faith like it's a parachute. When something big happens, then we want to believe God for something. We want to, tr- I want, we want to try to believe God for something. We get a bad diagnosis or we get a bad report or something bad happens or we need money suddenly we need, and it's beyond what we can get. We want to try to believe God for something. That's tough. That's why we're supposed to be living daily in our faith in the little things. And why is it that we save our faith for big things? 
Like, what? No, it's our daily bread. And I'm getting way ahead of myself, but we're just going to roll with it. I thought about Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus women and children. And how he took that bread and he broke it and he blessed it. And it multiplied miraculously. Do you know that's not the only time he blessed bread? He blessed the bread when he's feeding 12. He blessed the bread after the resurrection when he was meeting with a group of guys he had just been walking with. That stood out to me today. It was nothing for him to bless the bread and expect it to be blessed for 5,000 plus when it was his daily to bless the bread he had in his hand. I thought, you know, we pray over our food. I can't say we do it every meal. If we're, last night we had like three minutes, actually we're three minutes late picking up my mother, which almost got me grounded, <laughs> even at age 55. We're supposed to pick her up, and we were, he was running late, I was running late, and we were like standing at the bar going, <laughs> you know, just like swallowing this chicken salad, and we didn't bless it. But as a general rule, sometimes I just say, you're our provider. I mean, sometimes that's how we bless our food. I'm so thankful that you're our provider. You know what I know now after studying this? That if there is ever a time in our country when there is not enough food and Rusty and I are looking at splitting a morsel of bread, it will be plenty. Because we, he has blessed our daily bread and we have acknowledged him in our daily bread. Acknowledge him in your daily health. Acknowledge him in your daily marriage, in your daily family, in your daily church life, prayer life. Whatever, in your life, in your living, in your work, in your paycheck, in your bank account. Acknowledge his provision. And then if there's ever a time that you need supernatural provision, you've already acknowledged he is the provider. You've built that in yourself. And then faith is a relationship, not a parachute cord that you're having to pull to save you as you jump out of the crashing plane. Because if you... <laughs> it's what we tend to do. Pull the cord as we're jumping out of the crashing plane. God saved my marriage. Chink. Well, what about daily being thankful? Something we're working on. You know, sometimes you just have to have a little reset button and say, hey, we've got to reset some things here. I think that's what he's calling us to tonight. Faith is how we live in our relationship to everything else in our lives because of our relationship with him. Fear is how we live in relationship to everything in our lives without him. In relationship to him, we function by faith. Out of relationship with him, we function by fear. And fear is a pressure. But faith, it is a, it is a force. And that I would rather live by faith than fear any day, wouldn't you? 
I want to go back to the subject of taking his word for us personally. Go with me to Acts 14. I told you this might be a shotgun because my brain was going ever which way on this stuff today. Faith was made to live in. Acts 14, this this is just an interesting passage here. Jesus has already gone to be seated at the right hand of the Father. The apostles are now doing the works of Christ and the followers of Christ. I'm reading out the English Standard Version if you have a device. I know, Billy. I'm here for you, sis. Uh, it, verse 7 just basically, they had been run out of a couple of places. They'd been traveling around and, and they were continuing to preach the gospel. The gospel means good news. That's what we're supposed to be preaching. Not the bad news, but the good news. And they had been going around preaching the good news of the gospel. Verse 8. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. Now, what happens when we hear the word? Faith comes. According to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and the ability to hear and understand it comes by the word of God. And Paul, now wait a minute. He's sitting. He's listening. Paul looks at him. This version says, Paul looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith, To be made well. That would be like if Brad sitting back here had never walked, had been born crippled from his mother's womb, and I look at him and I see, I would have to say by the Spirit, that he has faith to be made well. And his faith has come from what he's just heard preached. Faith came. He's still sitting. That bothers me. That bothers me because we preach faith at this church. I mean, to the best of our ability, we preach faith. We preach what Jesus accomplished and, and, and purchased for you. And we're preaching faith. And I just have to wonder as I look out at the crowd, how many are still sitting in their condition, whatever that might be, mental or physical. And by the way, Sunday, we're starting on mental health. sitting in their condition when they have faith. Paul, looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well. Paul said in a loud voice, you stand upright on your feet. Stand upright on your feet. And the man sprang up and began walking. Now, Paul triggered something, if you will. He triggered the man's faith to be lived out instead of just banked up. At some point, you've got to take it personal enough that it's for you to stand up. It's for you to be free. It's for you to be healed. It's for you to be at peace. It's for you to have joy. It's for you 
to have relationship with your children. It's for you to have healing in your marriage. It's for... Because we can sit up here and preach till we're blue in the face. And you can have a bank of faith and be sitting in the same condition you came in. I see this as a problem in the body of Christ. The hearing the word is not the problem. Look how many avenues we have to hear the word. And faith comes when we hear it. We've got the internet. We, you can plug earphones into your phone. Mow the yard. And hear hours of the word. Get off your lawnmower. Go in the house and have the same marriage that you had before you heard the word. And you could have listened to an hour and a half. Our yard, two hours. <laughs> two and a half hours. Sorry, honey. Give you that extra 30 minutes. And have it banked up and be sitting. I see this as a problem. Not just, I'm not just putting this on y'all. I'm putting it on myself. But Paul triggered the man's faith to be lived out. When he looked intently at him, made the words that... Paul had been speaking personal to the man. Because he'd been talking about Jesus, no doubt. Jesus, what he provided, how he healed, uh, that he provided healing. But when he looked at that man and said, You stand up right on your feet. Then everything that he had been hearing just became personal. He was seen and he was spoken to. And until we hear the word and let it see us and let it speak to us, that it's for us, that's his word to you, 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 that's his word to you. We're going to sit in our mess. We're, going, we're just going to sit in our mess. It had to become personal. Faith came from hearing, but faith did not become walking until faith became personal. And that's what Paul did when he called him out. And we can think of a lot of different reasons why he called him out, but what he did is he said, this is for you. You need to stand up. You know what kind of trust it takes to stand up on feet who have never stood? Do you know what it's like to have a mind of peace that has never known peace? We're going to see that Sunday. It's for you. It's for you. And if I look at you and say, stand up, you'll know what I'm saying. That means take this word. Take this word. What kind of trust? I mean, Paul made it personal. It, it, it built something in this guy to the point that he stood up on feet that had never been stood on before. That's amazing to me. Faith can sit or it can be lived in. It can be lived in, literally lived in. You see, Matthew 8, 16 and 17 doesn't say that he took our affirm that he took infirmities and bore sicknesses. It says he took our infirmities 
and he bore our sicknesses. There's a huge difference. Oh, I know God can heal. That was Matthew 16, I mean Matthew 8, 16 and 17. 1 Peter 2, 24 doesn't say that by his stripes there is healing. It says by his stripes we were healed. Isaiah 53, 4, 5 and 6 doesn't say he bore griefs, carried sorrows, was wounded for transgressions, was bruised for our sins or iniquities and chastised for peace and with his stripes there was healing. That's not what it says. There's a huge difference. Church, there's a huge difference. It says, surely. Don't you like that word? Surely he has borne my griefs. It says our, but we've got to put me in there. Surely he has borne my griefs. Surely he carried my sorrows. Surely he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace, it was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. I am. I am. That goes beyond informational. That's personal. And I think sometimes we're just gathering. I'm going to build my faith. And we just start building information, information, information we got to go beyond information to inspiration. It's got to become real to us. It's got to become revelation to us. It's got to become personal to us. And that is a faith that stands up. That is, faith is a praise that happens in the midst of adversity. Faith is a praise that can happen in the middle. It's a peace that's beyond understanding when nobody else can understand why you have a calm when it doesn't make sense that you can have peace that peace came from faith that faith that peace came from trust that faith came from a relationship that had been lived in a faith that had been lived in not a parachute cord faith and I know God can do wonderful things with a new believer that's called the grace of God I want to live in faith I have sent Hebrews 12 to I don't know how many people today but faith that finishes and doesn't quit if it's not personal to you, you're going to try it. And if it doesn't look like it's working, you're going to quit it. But Hebrews 12, he's just got finished in Hebrews 11. You know there's not chapters and verses when he really wrote this, right? This is divided for our, so we can locate things. He's just finished Hebrews 11, the definition of faith. It being the substance, right? And then he goes into the hall of fame of faith. All of these great heroes of faith, Abraham and Sarah, and he's talked about all these people and he calls them the great cloud of witnesses that are, that are cheering us on. And he says, he says, let us, verse 2 says, let us fix 
our eyes, this is the NIV, Billy. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the, this version says perfecter. Now I want to talk a little bit about these words. Jesus, he calls, he says, fix your eyes, your focus, your attention. You know, it's really hard to fix your attention on Jesus when all hell is breaking loose in your life. It's so easy to look at what's going on around us, what we're feeling, what we're going through, what people around us are saying about us. I mean, we could just go through a whole plethora of things right here. Put it in your situation. And he's asking us, just as he asked the children of Israel when the snakes were crawling across their sandals in the wilderness, those things called fiery serpents, and y'all know how I feel about these things. I don't do snakes. John doesn't either. I'm just going to leave it to that. John and I, neither one, do snakes. We don't like them. We'll be calling y'all. We had one out here under the canopy the other day. I know it was a good snake, you animal people. I know it was a good snake, but now it is a really good snake. Off with the head. Yeah, that's my favorite kind of snake. Anyway, fiery serpents, people are... Thousands of people are dying over here from the snake bite. Thousands of people are dying here on the snake bite. God tells Moses, put this brass serpent, which is a type of Jesus with your sin nature, on the cross. He says, you look at that cross. You look at that serpent on the pole. And you continually look at it. And if the snake bites you, its poison will have no effect. Things happen in life. But that doesn't mean it has to alter your life. So think about fiery serpents, somebody falling over here, somebody falling, somebody screaming over there, thousands of people screaming, screaming, dying, dying, people grieving, uh, their loved ones have fallen over dead, and you have to keep your eyes on that serpent on the pole. I take some faith, I take some trust. You feel that thing trying to crawl across your, and you're not going to look at it? You're not going to pay attention to that memory? You're not going to look at it anymore? That sin that keeps calling your name, you're not going to look at it anymore? It's not going to get your attention anymore? Serpent on the pole, serpent on the pole, cross, Jesus on the cross, Jesus on the cross, Jesus on the cross. You're going to keep your focus there? Man, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author. When you look that up, it means the leader, the example, the founder, the beginning, the originator, the one providing the first occasion. Jesus, the author of your faith. Your opportunity to believe. Your, your example in how faith works. The ultimate example of how faith works. Jesus lived in it. He's the author and the perfecter, which means the finisher, the completer, the accomplisher, the consummator, the example of faith in its perfection. He is the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Fix your eyes on him. Who for the joy set before him, this is how Jesus did it, for the joy set before him, 
He endured, persevered, bravely and trustfully. He endured the cross. That's a lot of pain. That's a lot of shame. He's stripped naked. He's beaten. Crown of thorns. Nails through the hands. Pierced side. People mocking. People spitting. People hitting. But for the joy set before him, he endured. What's the joy set before you? You better have something set before you that will carry you through what you're in right now. And that joy, that has to come from our faith. That the finish, what he started, he will finish. We'll get into that here in a minute. For the cross, listen to this. He set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. That means despising, thinking little or nothing of the shame. He, disdain, he disesteemed the shame. He shamed the shame. That's literally what it means. He gave the shame little or no attention. Shame is a thief of faith. It will make you X yourself out of whatever you read in here and you will excuse yourself from the promises of God and the life that God has for you because of the shame. Because you don't deserve it. I have great news for you. Well, maybe it's not good news. None of us deserve it. The good news is Jesus gave us what he deserved over what we deserved. And now he's made us righteous. And now we can accept the gift of righteousness, which boosts my faith to be able to believe that this word is to me and for me. And it despises the shame. It disesteems the shame. And if you don't get rid of shame, you're never going to walk in faith. Just, you just won't. He despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. I just stood out to me today. Some of you are getting caught up in what men, women, men, people, humans, are saying about you, and it's a distraction from you looking at the joy that is set before you, which is your freedom and your life in Christ, and you're getting distracted. It says, consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men. He endured the opposition that came from sinful men. I get talked about all the time. I, I have to get to the point, and sometimes I have to work on myself. Y'all pastor, do you know, that I can endure such opposition as comes from sinful men. Why? Because, because I want to live in this realm of faith and relationship and provision and everything that God has for us. Not just provision, but callings and giftings and ministries and, 
and everything that he has for you to do in the kingdom of God that you'll X yourself out of because sinful men's running their mouth. Consider Jesus who endured such contradiction from sinful men. Somebody needs to hear that. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Well, I'm just tired of fighting for this. I'm just tired of believing for this. Well, then somewhere in this equation, we're missing something. Either we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus or we're not uh, considering him so that we can endure opposition or we're not scorning and despising the shame. There's something we're missing if we're growing weary and we're losing heart. I'm just getting tired. Well, you may feel like you're getting tired. But by faith, you can have energy. You can have energy. And it's so easy. I've done it, probably not since yesterday, to say something about being tired. Then I'm not considering and focusing on him. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author of the leader, the example, the originator of your faith, and let him be the finisher, the completer, the accomplisher, the perfecter, the consummator, the example for your faith. Consider him. Look at him. You know, sometimes, and and I was listening to a teacher the other day, and I'm telling you, she rocked my world. It was um, Nancy DeFrance. Oh, this teaching, y'all. If you want it, I'll give it to Sheree. I'll I'll get it to you, Sheree. Um, I got so many answers out of this 30-minute message from her on faith. But one thing that really rocked my world is I... She said, sometimes there are seasons of temptation or seasons of opposition... And that doesn't mean that your faith has failed or that you're missing it. Y'all, this is just going to help so many people that have been believing for their health or been believing for their children or been believing for their freedom or believing for something. And and it's, it's been a season, a season of temptation or a season of opposition and, and this is where she went. She went to Luke 4, so I want to take you there. Because when I was thinking about living in this faith and him being the author and the finisher, you know, between beginning and end, there's a middle. Between seed time and harvest, there's time. And that's often where we get tired in our faith. And that's because we're not living in a daily relationship. Okay, I'll say ouch. Nobody else did, but. And, and you know, just because you're in a season and time is taking place and, and, and us realizing, coming to revelation, that that might not mean that we're failing, that faith is failing. 
or that we've missed it. It might mean that faith is sustaining. Faith can sustain you between starting and finishing. But that's going to involve a whole lot of relationship with him, considering him, focusing on him, is in that in-between. Okay, I've started this journey. I haven't seen the finish yet, other than, you know, in my, I'm going to say in my faith image, that I know where I'm going, I know where this word's taking me. But in that in-between time, faith can sustain you. And she went to Luke 4. Did I tell you all that already? Well, let me get there. Oh, man, it's 740. I'm not going to finish tonight. Jesus is, is in the wilderness, and he hasn't eaten. Uh, he's, he's been there 40 days. Verse 2 says, been there 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone. And then the devil took him up to a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said, All this power I'll give to you. And these things were tempting, or they wouldn't call it temptation. Jesus was tempted. He came to get this authority back. The devil's offering it to him. Of course, we all know who the big liar is. He said, all this power I'll give to you in the glory. If you'll worship me, all's going to be yours. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. And then he took him to Jerusalem, to the pinnacle of the, of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down from here, for it is written. Now devil starts quoting scripture. He's catching on to what Jesus is doing. Jesus is always coming back. When the temptation comes, Jesus is answering the temptation with Scripture. And so the the devil pulls out the verses. And the devil said, For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you. So throw yourself down off. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I don't know about y'all, but we have a cool Savior. It says, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And this was Nancy's point. Sometimes we feel like when we resist the devil and we do what we know to do, and it doesn't happen, that we failed. But Jesus resisted the devil multiple times before he left. So what do we do? We keep doing what we know to do. We keep coming back with what God has said to me. That rhema, that rhema word, that alive word that he gave to you that went off in your spirit when you read it and you knew that verse was for you. That's what you come back when the thought comes to you. You don't have that beat. That's not going to happen then you come back with that rhema word. That's what you say, and you say it out loud. And then if he comes back, and he does it for a season, he does it day after day, then you come back with the word, and you come back with the word. And it doesn't have to be a different word every time. It can be, but it's the word that's alive in you that that you say at those moments. And that is living faith. 
That's not a faith failure. Jesus was not failing when he said these things to the devil and the devil didn't flee. Jesus was not failing. He was being sustained by his faith. And his faith outlasted the tempter. That's, that's faith. I'm telling you, he wants to stay personally involved in our living. Our daily living. Personally involved in our living. If David had not killed the lion and the bear while he was out keeping the sheep, right? 1 Samuel 17. He's a boy. He's out keeping his father's sheep. A lion comes to take one of the lambs. He kills it. A bear comes to take one of the lambs. He kills it. He didn't just go out and kill Goliath. He killed the lion and the bear in daily life, and then he knew he could take Goliath because God had provided for him out in that field where nobody else was. And then killing a giant in front of an uncircumcised Philistine, in front of a crowd, in front of an army, in front of warriors. That's why you don't put up with the cold. When you have a cold, I don't care, take your sinus medication or whatever. But by all means, speak the word. Oh no, allergies. You don't rule this body. By his stripes I... 1 Peter 2.24 says, I was healed. When was I healed? When he took the stripes. And when the tempter comes back, next season, when the new grasses are out, you know what you say? Well, what if it comes back? Well, I just, I thought that worked. I thought faith worked. I guess I wasn't in faith. No, faith's sustaining you while... It's not a faith failure. We get too quick to call ourselves failures. Keep saying what the Word says. Blow the nose. Say what the Word says. Say what the Word says. It's not a failure. If, if David had not killed the lion and the bear, would he have faced Goliath? I don't think so. The other guys didn't. You can read that in 1 Samuel 17. I was going to go there, but I want you all to get to talk. I want to challenge you this week to be very aware of what's, what's sustaining you in daily life. Rehearse your victories. That's what David did. When he came before Saul and Saul said, you're, you're but a boy and he's, a, he's been a warrior since he was your age. David said, yeah, but I killed the lion and I killed the bear. The Lord delivered me from them. This uncircumcised, uncovenant, non-covenant Philip will be as one of those. He'll be just like them. Began to rehearse. You know what? I got through this. God got me through, I should say, God got me through this. God brought me through this. God has sustained me last week. He can sustain me this week, so I'm not quitting. I'm going to challenge us all to rehearse victories. Acknowledge his daily assistance. Acknowledge his daily involvement in your life. And that's when he took me to the bread. Uh, when, I, when I typed that out, he took me to the bread. When you acknowledge me daily, then there is no parachute cord necessary. We are living 
in a faith relationship. Amen? Who's got the mic? Miss Kayla. All right. Anybody got anything to add? I know y'all got to. We've got some people in here who have, oh, Charity. She's got some good faith stories. So um, I think one thing for me, the verse about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that's really come alive in the past few years, especially the key word hearing, like you spoke on tonight. And um, I think sometimes it's important to seek that Rima word from the Lord. And a lot of times we can do that just from being in the word, reading, but sometimes just slowing down and really focusing on the moment and trying to get a specific word. So, for example, with Avery, our daughter, she was sick this past year, and um, she was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disorder, one in a million disorder, um, where it attacked her skin, and then it went into her muscles, and the muscle thing came on very, very quickly, so she went within a few weeks of just active, running, rolling in the grass type of girl to not being able to get off the couch, um, not being able to even swallow when we took her to the ER. And so on the way to the ER, I'd already been praying, of course, for the whole time that she had been fighting this, and we were trying to figure out what was going on with her. But I was specifically said, Lord, I need a word from you for this situation. I need something that I can hold on to and know that whatever you say is going to be. And the specific word that came to us as we were going to the hospital was, this came on quick, it's going to leave quick. So as soon as that came to me, and it was just an authoritative word that came up out of my spirit, I knew it was from the Lord, I I just held on to that. And when we got to the hospital, whatever they said, it didn't matter. The circumstances around me did not matter because I knew what the Lord had told me. And so, and it happened just like that. She was in the hospital for a week, and she got a lot of intensive um, medicine and therapies, but she bounced back very, very quickly. Her muscles regained their um, strength faster than they could even imagine. So his word was good. And so for me, just seeking a specific word for a specific situation is very important. And that can come from just prayer or from being in the word, because sometimes I'll read the Bible and there's things that I've read 50 times, but then that one time it stops me and it almost takes my breath away. And I know that's for me right then. That's good. And that's what you hang on to. And it gets you through anything. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. And you, y'all had been delivered from the lion and the bear <laughs> before, before this uh, with Zeke. Right. So with, with, with your little boy. Yes. Yeah. So the so. trust was there. Right. It's just, and I knew, I knew that I just needed that word. I needed that, that foundational yeah. block to just yeah. move through. Cause I knew, we knew that she was going to be okay. I mean, we knew we've learned from here, you know, that, um, he's not punishing us with disease. I knew right. it was from Satan all along, but it was still, you know, that fear kept trying to come on us, especially when she's telling us I can't swallow. And you're like, oh my gosh, okay, we're headed to the hospital right now. So, I mean, that fear was like a dark cloud that was just trying to consume us. And I was like, okay, I've got to have something right now for this specific moment in time. And that we latched onto that and it it was it. I told her when we were in the car, I said, the Lord just spoke this, and this is what we're standing on, and that's what we hung on to the whole time. That's great. That's, and it's been, it's been beautiful to watch God work. 
the first thing you have to overcome is fear. Yeah. Because whenever you're faced with that lion or that bear, the first thing that pops up in your heart is, oh, my gosh, what, what do I do? You just, you just have to speak to that. If we speak to the mountain, it'll move. Whatever it is, you've got to speak to it right then whenever it pops up in your life, and you can handle it. It's kind of one of those moments where you had to concentrate on the cross and what Jesus accomplishes is the snakes that were crawling around your feet. Had to stay focused. And it's tough when it's your kids. And they, they already, their son uh, Zeke was already a miracle. He was told he was going to be a vegetable. Uh, tubes in and out. and Go ahead. They said if he lives. Well, if y'all watch Zeke, he's alive. I didn't think I was going to get him off the platform on Family Sunday. He came up, and I don't think he was leaving. And uh, one of these days, he can have the pulpit. He'll have, a, he'll have a story to tell. But that's living the life of faith, not pulling the, oh, God, please do something cord. That's that assurance, okay, God, I need a word. That comes from daily walking, and that comes from relationship. You don't... You don't go to God and say, hey, I need a rhema word. I need a word for right now, a timely word, if you hadn't been talking to him. I mean, you start talking to him now, all is good. And then it, it's not unusual for you to, to ask for something. A lot of times he'll give it to you ahead of time. I was going to say along that line, in Matthew 7, uh, talks about if, if our fathers know uh, if we ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for bread, will he give him a stone? And so what I wanted to point out is when you ask for these specific words for the specific situations, that God doesn't get, then give you the bear to overcome. Right. He, he, that, that's a past thing that's already happened. He doesn't give you like this thing that's going to build faith in you like to overcome. Right. He gives you the answer that you needed. That's right. Yeah, the bear and the lion were the thief. They were stealing God's provision, and they weren't, they weren't blessings from God. The lion and the bear were not blessings from God. That's a good, good point. We have to combat a lot of religious cliches with the truth of God's word. A lot of, lot of religious cliches are wrong. They don't line up with the word. So people tell you God sent this to test you or to tempt you. Well, the scripture's pretty plain. God's not tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. So you have to go to the word and say, what does the word say? And don't, don't just take something because it's a Christian and a good-meaning, well-meaning person that says something. doesn't make it, well, what does the gospel mean? Good news. If it ain't good news, it's not the gospel. <laughs>